0: Welcome to the Colts Reunion Podcast, a conversation with former Colts players, a look back at their career, what they're up to now, and how the Colts played a positive role in their lives. Welcome, everybody, to another Colts Reunion Podcast. Good to be with you. I'm Matt Taylor with former Colts wide receiver and Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. And joining us today for a reunion is former Colts defensive back Marlon Jackson, Drafted in the first round by the Colts back in 2005, played in Indianapolis through 2009, and then had a one-year stint with the Philadelphia Eagles. Marlon is a Super Bowl champion with the Colts and was, of course, involved in one of the most iconic plays in the history of the Colts franchise, picking off Tom Brady in the 2006 AFC Championship game to send the Colts to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that surely coming up in just a bit. But Marlon, thanks so much for the time today. It's great to talk to you. How are you? I'm good,
1: Matt. I'm good, and I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, making the space for me to, to join you
0: today. Absolutely, yeah. We could not go very far in the Colts reunion list, if you will, without uh, getting to Marlon Jackson and uh, finding out what you're up to. So let's start there. What is what is life like for uh, Marlon Jackson these days, and uh, what are you up to around Central Indiana and uh, the city of Indianapolis? Still. Oh,
1: well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, my my family. My wife, Mickey, and our three boys, Camden, Keith, and Cash. Um, you know, loving life with all the time that I get to spend with my family. Um, you know, coaching, recreational sports, flag football, uh, baseball, watching my boys play basketball. You know, my, my oldest son, Camden, is getting ready to play football for the first time tackle football for the first time mm-hmm. this fall. we're going to be coaching and coaching him, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, then out, outside of uh, you know, my family, um, heavily engaged in, in social entrepreneurship. Um, I know people hear entrepreneurship, starting a business, right? an idea, generating profit, but social entrepreneurship is starting a business, but it's not just about uh, making money. It's about social impact, um, and in terms of professionally, you know, that's what I've been focused on since my playing days with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, moving away from the game of football in 2012, um, formally establishing my nonprofit organization, the Fight for Life Foundation, um, as well as a few other endeavors, but my, my focus um has been, you know, devoted to the Fight for Life Foundation. Um, and even, you know, that's changed, that's grown. You know, we went from doing football camps, um, having curriculum in schools, doing field trips to evolving as an organization and become more sophisticated and morphing into a software service nonprofit agency that's focused on behavioral health. To improve, uh, you know, education, student and societal outcomes, um, and, and we do that by executing our mission of helping underserved youth develop mm-hmm. the social and emotional qualities that are needed for success. Um, you know, and we we operate strategically through school systems, right, where we equip administrators with a digital platform. That allows them to be able to collect and analyze data. That allows them to be able to support teachers in the classroom with behavior management and classroom management um, by engaging students in a fun gamified behavior health program. You know that reinforces positive behaviors, allows teachers to intervene in a timely manner, and ultimately helps meet the, the students and families' needs that we that we serve through our programming.
2: Marlon, we know that. Uh Starting a non for profit, there's an adjustment period there, and also going from the football field to off the football field, beginning of your life. I want to go back to the football field. What was your biggest adjustment as a rookie coming in in 2005 for Michigan, going from the pros, going from college to the pros?
1: Um, I, I would say maybe like the the speed of the slightly the speed of the game, and I, I think. Um, this, I mean, the, the talent level. I mean, you know, that, that, that's the, the biggest jump. And, I, and that's, that's that's quite obvious, you know, coming from the collegiate level where there were some things that maybe you could get away with, you know, not being, you know, on top of your technique or perfect with your technique, you know, being a better athlete than some of the guys that you were going up against. And then when you get to the National Football League, you know, it's it's a level playing field. Uh, where even you may not be the best athlete. So, you know, um, learning to, to value and understand the importance of technique. And and then on top of that, you know, situational football, understanding the X's and the O's, um, understanding formation down and distance. Those were, you know, some of the, the barriers that I needed to remove through working um you know more effectively and efficiently in terms of what am I, what am I going to study? Um, how am I going to plan this offseason in terms of my technique? Um, you know, those are the things that I really had to hone in on and focus on, and I became more aware of that by by watching veterans, veterans like Nick Harper. Um, you know, he's the one that always sticks out the most for me. Where, you know. Seeing him make plays and understanding how he's able to make plays through formation recognition or down a distance, and putting that together with your instincts to strengthen your instincts to make plays that that was uh, you know the learning curve for me was to you know um, enhance my mental capacity so that my my athletic ability could could shine through.
2: Now you talked about honing in on some of your, your skills uh during the off season. What were some of those things that you wanted to work on during the off season, like during mini camp and training camp to get ready for the season?
1: Um, I mean I, I focused a lot on tech on, on take Outside of um my physical strength and my speed, you know, um I was uh, focused on being a technician with, with my back pedal um, with my, you know, my lateral footwork, side to side, um, you know, my my flexibility, my my, my explosiveness, you know, um, and and then it's kind of that, um, you know, that self critique, that self study of you know what were my strengths that that previous season, what were my weaknesses. And, and, and watching film and picking myself apart to see how I could do things better. And then just the the X's and O's overall, you know, really, you know, looking at the film, studying the film, film studying route combinations um, at different parts of the field. You know, it, it, it was a mix of that physical and mental as an emphasis, you know, in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can come back in. You know, make plays,
0: Marlon. You you grew up in Pennsylvania. You had a fantastic high school career. Uh, then you go to Michigan, uh, first round draft pick for the Colts. W- when did you know that you had a career in football waiting for you? Was there a moment when you were growing up that that sort of the light bulb went off for you? That hey, I can, I can play in the NFL here. Oh, well, I, I guess I
1: actually have a couple couple ways. So you know, in, in terms of when when I realized that football was my my opportunity Mm -hmm. for mobility in life Mm -hmm. like to to move you know and then to make some things happen um it was when I was when I was offered you know a scholarship as a sophomore by Penn State University you know you when you're growing up in a small community you know you watch the, the the older guys that come before you and you idolize them, guys like my brother and others that came before I did um and you that that's the kind of the standard like you know it's it's not always dreaming beyond that high school Friday night, right so like up until the point when I was offered a scholarship from the University of Penn State, I was like, you know, I was local, like you know my my mindset was local like not really understanding right. the talent that I possessed because I was going up against that local competition. Sure. But when I went to, you know, Penn State and I went to that football camp um and I did extremely well and then being offered a, a scholarship after my sophomore season it it was real, right? Like it was it was actually tangible like that this was your your ticket, this was your opportunity. Like at that point in time of life it gave me focus and it gave me direction. And then, in terms of the NFL, I mean, for me, that was a re- a reality, you know, after I was' I was named All-American as a sophomore in college, you know, um, when I was able to see how I was able to compete on a high level early on in college. and then just looking at the guys that I went up against that season, and then some of those those guys were going going on to being drafted in the NFL. I mean, for me, there wasn't a, a, a doubt on my mind at, you know, what my capability, um, the level in which it was at. Um, it just was a matter of time. Um, but then being where I was at the University of Michigan and letting everything take care of itself and understanding that I was going to make it there because I realized so early in college that I had that ability to go to the NFL.
2: Now, Marlon, you said you got offered a scholarship by Penn State. What made you decide to go to Michigan? <laughs> when you got the offer to with Penn State. Penn State's a pretty good uh university to go to as far as football wise and also educational wise. What made you decide to go to Michigan?
1: Oh I man, there there's a couple a couple of reasons. You know, one, you know, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. So and I and I grew up a Penn State fan, but you know, the campus didn't really speak to me. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. I wasn't really feeling it. You know, um, the scenery, the the, the 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 wide open space and the mountains, and you know, it's a beautiful place. But I just, I just didn't vibe with it. And then ultimately, it was the people.
3: Yeah, like, right.
1: Know, I, I connected with the players at Michigan on a whole another level, like where it became as if I had known these guys my, my entire life. Mm -hmm. Right. And there was a certain level of comfort with, with the players. Like it wasn't about a coach. Like it was, it was the players that made me feel at home. And then just the, the campus, the campus life, being near Detroit, being near Canada, all those types of things. And And I just have better experiences, you know, um when i went to university in michigan and visited uh but i had i had i had committed early on to penn state but then i you know after i visited michigan it was a wrap it was over you know <laughs> uh they they flipped me pretty pretty quick and you know it was definitely the right decision and when i look back at yeah. how things were during that period at michigan versus versus penn state you know um Things definitely turned out the way that they should have.
0: Did you have uh, some upset family members, like uncles, cousins, that were disappointed <laughs> that uh, you know you weren't wearing the navy blue and the white there?
1: Oh, the community! So the community where, I don't, where I'm from, like <laughs> be, being a border, a border town. Yeah, right on the Pennsylvania and Ohio. So it's like professionally, it's it's Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Okay. You know, collegiately, it's Ohio State or it's Penn State. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so so. Yes, people, people were definitely disappointed. <laughs> but, but but Michigan, you know, um, secured a lot of fans when I, when I went there from Western Pennsylvania. There you go, you know, yeah. People flipped and, and, and followed, followed me. Well, you had
0: people that were disappointed fans. that you didn't go to Penn State, and then you had the Ohio State people that were even more upset that you went to Michigan, right?
1: <laughs> yes, and that, that was their fault because, you know, <laughs> Cooper, Cooper didn't do a good job recruiting me. Yeah. You know, um, Trestle came in. My senior year, and he, and he he went hard, but it was too late by that
0: time. Let's fast forward a little bit. You you get drafted by the Colts, and when you got picked up by Indianapolis, the Colts were already winning AFC South division titles every year. They were going to the playoffs. Uh, Marlon, what was it like for you when you first dropped into that Colts locker room with guys like Marvin Harrison and Edron James, Reggie Wayne, Peyton Manning, Dwight Freeney, Gary Brackett? What was it like for you as a rookie to see all of these, I'm sure you didn't realize it then as a young guy, but all of these, you know, f- uh, future Ring of Honor guys, all of these future Hall of Famers in the same room, in the same locker room, on the same team.
1: Yeah, well, well, in terms of, like, you, I, I'll start first with, like, with like, So, you you know, being drafted in, in, in that period of time to the Colts, you knew that you had a legitimate opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the first things that came to my mind. Right? Like, <laughs> like Peyton Manning is my quarterback. I have a real shot at winning a Super Bowl. Like Tony Dungy is my coach. I have a great opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Like I'm playing with Dwight Freeney. I have a great opportunity. So it, it's just realizing like the level of of talent, you know. And initially. You are a bit awestruck, you know, when you you you've, you follow all of these guys because you follow sports, you follow football, um, but then w- then that that wears off quickly once as a, your teammate, and then the comp- competitive juice gets to flowing when you're in workouts, like you know, and and then it becomes like, you know, I know what greatness looks like, right? You know, in, in terms of um, to be great, how do you apply yourself? How do you show up every day? Right. And then you realize like you have you have examples right in front of you, which makes it very easy to fall in fall in line. Right? Because you respect the pedigree, you you respect where these guys come from and then you see how they work. Like and that's for me. Like I'm I'm a I'm a worker, you know, um, and for me, I, I just was able to fit right in because that's what these guys did. Like they they produced on a high level. One, because of how they, you know, worked physically in the off season to train their bodies. And, and then two, the mental capacity, how these guys put in that extra film study, you know, those extra extra meetings, um, diving into the playbook, you know, player meeting, all of those types of things, right, w- which they're, they're, they're doing ingredients that are part of a recipe for success. Like, so – at first, it, it's a little bit of awestruck when you initially get the call, but then it's excitement to get the work because you know what you can accomplish because of the talent level.
2: Marlon, did you feel any pressure coming in, being a, a number one draft pick, coming in, feeling that you had to produce right away, knowing that you're coming into an organization that had the Peyton Mannings, the, the Reggie Waynes, and the Marvin Harrisons, and the Dwight Freeneys, and the Robert Mathises? Did you feel any pressure that you had to produce right away? No, I, I actually, I, I didn't at all. And I, I, I probably
1: would attribute that to the, the coaching staff. Cause I mean, they, they immediately, you know, carved out a role for me as, as a nickel back. Um, and, and they wanted to let me develop, you know, a little bit more as, as a corner. Um, so, you know, I, it, it was, you know, I just I needed to do my job. Right. And that's what, that's a coach Dungy saying, just, just do your job, handle your responsibility, you know, and, with that being the expectation to just do your job, right, and you see it done every day, and then understanding like you know the makeup of this team and the roster, and you know there's nothing nothing extra that I need to do, right? I just need to know my assignment. I just need to take care of my responsibility, make my plays when they come when they come to me. Um, you know that was the mindset and. You know that allowed me to be able to, you know, not feel um, any pressure to perform a certain on certain type of way, um, and just to to be able to evolve and develop because that's what you know that's what transpired. You know, had a lot of physical talent myself and Kelvin Hayden, but you know we weren't totally prepared mentally, you know, technically, technically to to uh, to come out there and be able to execute. On a on a starters level immediately, but they they gave us the space to evolve and to develop into that. And once we were ready, right, you know, fully towards the end towards the end of year two, definitely year three, you know, there wasn't any pressure and we were prepared and we went out there and we made we made
2: a lot of plays. Now you you say you got prepared as you you know went on in your career now. I know, as a former player, there were a certain type of defenders that gave me trouble as a wide receiver—guys that had long arms, like you, and could have could cover a lot of ground. Were there any type of receivers that gave you more trouble than others? And if so, who oh, were they?
1: Oh yeah, I mean it, those, those those you know small quick guys. Okay. You know, and I, I think probably a lot of big bigger corners, you know, would would, would say that. Like you, you think just Marvin Harrison, like you know just how quick he was off of the line with what his release where yeah, I, I had these long arms, but it's hard to get them suckers on him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like Marvin is like the epitome of one of those guys that just was an extremely difficult matchup for, for me um, in terms of just that, that quickness and that craftiness of, of release off the line and speed, you know, um, and then just the relationship between, you know, guys that had that chemistry with quarterbacks. But then I'll also say a, a guy that was difficult as well at the same time was, you know, Andre Johnson. I mean, he was different for different for, for a host of different reasons. Yes. One being the the size, strength, speed combination, right? There weren't very many wide receivers that were six three. Two hundred and thirty pounds and as strong as a running back. Yes, you so, <laughs> know um, that—that's a rare, you know, makeup for a wide receiver. And he had he had all of that, which made him a difficult a difficult matchup.
2: Yeah, I understand that. Now, I, I have to ask you this question. I'm sure you get asked this question quite often. Now, what was the feeling like knowing that you intercepted the pass from Tom Brady to seal the AFC championship for the Colts to punch the ticket? For the Colts to go to the Super Bowl, what was that feeling like? Uh,
1: it, it was unbelievable, you know, and it, and it was even in the moment. Like I knew that it was um, an enormous, monumental, monumental play, right? Just the the backdrop, this backstory between the Indianapolis Colts, the New England Patriots, um, what was on the line in that game and how it was kind of getting over the hump with them to go to the Super Bowl. Like, that, you know, cemented the moment um, as one of the greatest in Colts history mm-hmm. because of the magnitude of it, because of it being Tom Brady um, driving down the field with, with minutes, with seconds left in the game, where so often he's able to come out on top in those scenarios, but then to have this instance where he wasn't able to do it, like, right? where you know we were able to get over the hump, we weren't able to able to make the winning play. Um, I knew immediately, you know, which is why you know I was on the ground screaming, <laughs> getting up, screaming into the air with the confetti coming right. coming down. It's iconic. Like, it, it, it it is, and it's like and it, it only like it for me. I, I realize it even more so every as the years go past and you continue to see the replays of it mm-hmm. you continue to hear sentiments from from fans like and it's one of those things that you know it is going to live on when I'm well and well and gone you know um and it, it it's it's nice to be able to 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 have those have those moments to have those memories right you know because it's not too many people get to experience something like that you know and it's, it's hard to describe the rush. Like, already, Bill, you know, as an athlete, the rush of the crowd, the excitement, the yes. energy. But then to, like, have a moment like that, like, to win, to, to seal the deal in the game, it's just
2: on another level. Well, it goes back to you as a child uh, growing up in Pennsylvania, I'm sure, playing in the backyard and making those big plays and dreaming about making the big play that you can make <laughs> right. to win the Super Bowl or get into the Super Bowl, and then it actually happens. Then it's, it is that rush that you have that, wow, this does happen. It does happen, and it, it happened yeah. in the, on the biggest stage. I just did something I practiced in my backyard 3,000 times. <laughs> exactly, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. And
1: I, and I felt and I felt like just like – I, I feel like – Personally, in my career, like I, I gained, I started to gain momentum and get more comfortable in that during that playoff run.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and that play was kind of a culmination of my playoffs that allowed me to springboard into the next couple of years where I played my best football. You know, with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, but moments like that breed confidence um, mm-hmm. and, and and understanding, like what's what's possible. That anything is possible. You know, and and, and having the lesson from the from the process to that, like that's, that's what people don't, you know, we, you, it's easy to overlook because right. everybody's not a part of the process. So their perception won't allow them to be able to really have full context as to like, you know, it wasn't just, you know, me getting lucky in that moment.
2: Exactly. It was,
1: it was film study. It was understanding my opponent and his tendencies, right? And it was me getting on a jug machine after practice, like every, every day. Yeah. Cause you but caught, like, you
0: caught a rifle right there.
1: When And I, and I dropped a few that season too, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, that, that coaching coach Leslie Frazier had me get on a jugs machine, mm-hmm. like all the, all the times of breaking down film and studying Tom Brady and understanding how he likes to attack cover two, looking you off then blindly throwing the other way. Like when you, you put all of those pieces of a puzzle together, you get the full, you get the full picture, Right, and even for me, like those are those transferable skills, like you know, of understanding the process, like and understanding that I can do that with anything, right? Like you know, how am I preparing myself for the unknown opportunity, right? And and that's how you capitalize in those in those moments and whatever it is in life, like that just was an example for me, you know, in a football game. But I look at it as what I do now, mm-hmm. like all those lessons from and, and you know, in athletics all the lessons in entrepreneurship, all the losses, all the wins. Like, you know, they, they cause this, this ability to understand how to win and to have the fortitude to continue to pursue, you know, even when things don't necessarily go as planned.
0: All right, Marlon, with that in mind, let me let me play something for you that you've heard uh, 3,500 times. Here we go. Here's 3,501. Brady
1: out of the shotgun again. This crowd warning. Takes the snap. Sets up. Sets
2: up. Rose, one
1: over the Intercepted! Marlon Jackson! Marlon's got it! We're going
3: to the Super Bowl! We're going to the Super Bowl! Marlon Jackson with the interception!
1: He picked off Tom Brady! The Colts have it at the 40-yard line with 16 seconds to go! Biddle up down below! What a comeback! What an effort! And what a job by this
0: crowd! I mean, such a a great play, (laughs) such a great call by the legendary Bob Lamey. I mean, I don't I'm ready to go Marlon I'm ready to play a football game after that. It, still, it, still
1: gives, you, it gives you it gives you a rush like. Yeah. Know, that's that's the best thing about sports like you know it, it's it's the the feelings it's the energy it's the, the emotions like and this is life for me it's like this is like period like you remember you, you remember how people made you feel like, mm-hmm. you yes. know you 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 remember those moments how you felt and that's what that's what always resonates with me. We when I hear that, it starts to stir up all those 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 warm, fuzzy feelings like you know uh, of knowing that we're going to the Super Bowl. And then like for me, it takes all of the, the encounters that I have with fans, and they tell me I was here. I remember I remember the play. I was watching at home with this person with that person, and I felt like this. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. So like we're you know in a sense like forever connected to the coach fan base because of that, because we all remember how we felt.
0: Marlon, why don't you just drive downtown and hang out outside of St. Elmo's every single day? Because someone would recognize you. Someone would point you out. Hey, this is Marlon Jackson, who sealed the win for the Colts in the in the AFC Championship game to get them in the Super Bowl, the win over the Patriots and Tom Brady. You could eat and drink for free the entire year. What are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, try that when I need a confidence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's I'm going to go down there. And live it up like that. That's what I would be doing, man. I don't know about you. That would be on my tombstone. There's there's no <laughs> question about it. I mean but that that game and then that play, it just it signified, as you said, you know, just something coming to an end with the Patriots and the and the Colts and the playoffs and those bad memories. It was just we, we finally did it. We finally got over the hump. The the dramatic win for the Colts in that game your play, your interception, it was like hallelujah moment for the entire fan base and obviously for you guys in that locker room after that game.
1: Yep, and this, this is one, one thing, so just like as a, and Bill understands this as well, like as an athlete, like I feel like you're like, you're in pursuit of your best,
3: Yes. like
1: and you don't necessarily stop and settle like on like, you know, that play, that was it, like and for I'll just say like me like I'm I'm that way in life mm-hmm. like that play was not my pinnacle like you know but understanding the magnitude of that in relation to what I do now you know it excites me to to understand that I'm going to do something even greater like you know not because it's a it's an accolade but because of the impact right you know and we're talking about the impact of of a sport and a game and that the emotional impact that it can have on people to be uplifting, uniting, and, and I'm talking about the impact of igniting that within a child early in life so that they're empowered. They know who they are. They know what they're capable of. Like those are the, those are the wins. Like those are the major, major wins, right? You know, it's, it's, it's awesome to have those interceptions that to have those moments. And it's awesome to know that you're capable of doing that. Right, but but to not to rest on that and say, like, that was it, like, I'm in pursuit of more, but in it's in a different space and in a broader arena.
2: Yeah, that, that's pretty powerful, there, uh, Marlon, because you're talking about impact on friends, family, people in the community, and also your teammates as well. And that's one thing I want to talk about is I know that. You talked about earlier about um, doing things for yourself and, and going to the high level, and you have this great experience of having those great plays. But also, one of the things as an athlete is your relationships, your relationships in the locker room with your teammates. That's something special that you remember years down the road. Now, I know you guys, your defensive backs, had a special relationship with, with one another uh, in the locker room there. And the locker room is kind of a place for the guys to kind of relax and, and do their own thing. I also know you guys had a lot of lively debates in the locker room um, during your career. What are some of the debates that you can talk about on air um, that you guys had in the locker room that uh, brings back oh, some great and- memories for you guys?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely what I, I need to sit and, and, and rack my brain. <laughs> but, I mean, there, there, there's, I mean, a number of – not anything like, you know, super deep, like, right? you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know um, – the best the best team best basketball team it could be you know um, shoot i mean best vacation best vacation spot where 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 are we going to go be, go hang out or who's the who's the, the 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 silliest the most liveliest you know person on the team you know and and just you know just the camaraderie of you know sometimes goofing around you know joking tearing guys down but in a fun in a fun way you know, um, that's the, the the kind of banter back and back and forth. Like, you know, who, who's who's gonna make who's who's making the most plays? Like, it just it could be any any little thing, but it's a, it's a part of that com- competitive nature. Like w- when you are around a bunch of competitors that you know are on a mission to to be their best, that spills over into any and everything. Whether it's a card game, you know, <laughs> you know, um, it it could be any anything on 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 a plane after the game coming back, you know, and, and guys are feeling good after after a victory, you know, where where where, where are we going to be hanging out at tonight? Where are we going to be hanging out in the off in the offseason? Like you know, it, it, it's all of those things, and that definitely is something that that is missed because I mean, I would say I don't you know you don't have as much as much of that you know, in this phase of life of, you know,
2: family
1: and um, parenting, you know, professional, professional world, you know, you, you don't have as much of that locker room. And I don't I don't know if you can attest to that as well, Bill, but that's been my, my experience. It's just not it's it's hard to rekindle, recapture yeah that that those interactions that you have be because you spend so much time with each other. Like, and this is why I, I can't even imagine being a professional athlete now that I have a wife and kids, like, the amount of time that you spend with your teammates, especially your position group, like, <laughs> you spend an absurd amount of time together, um, and, you know, you don't necessarily get that. Like, you can almost trade that in a little bit, you know, that, that time that you're spending with with those guys is more like time with, with your with your family nowadays when they talk about the volume
0: of it is that what you miss most about the game marlon not necessarily the the games themselves and you know making plays and i'm sure you don't miss the practices and all that that goes into being a professional athlete and the demand on your time and your body but just the camaraderie and being with guys and and having those those built-in friendships and that that brotherhood inside the locker room is that is that what you miss the most about being a colt
1: no, it's 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 definitely one of one of the one of the things that I that I miss the most. Um, you know, I, I've always been a person. I have a small, I have a small small circle. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a bit of an introvert. You know, um, you know, and I, I had like you know guys like you know, but they and Hayden were probably like my two closest closest friends, and still still are good friends. And some of those like relationships. Whereas, like, no matter what, like you you fall back into that same space when you're when you get around one another, you know. Um, so like missing those those relationships and the the competition. Like, cause I I don't do anything. Like my only competition is against myself nowadays. Like mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to grow uh, as an entrepreneur, trying to grow grow a business. Like. But like me going against somebody and trying to beat them at a task or in a game, like I don't I don't have that. Like I do yoga where, where it's like it's a, it's about you know uh, no judgment, no competition, like you know. <laughs> so like just I, I do I miss that because that part of you I don't it never goes anywhere. Like it's always there. Like you know you know. And as I coach now, I guess that's how I get my fix. My fix in terms of competition. Like you know, when I'm coaching my kids, you know, in, in athletics with baseball and, and and football, it kind of feeds my competitive, my competitive nature. I don't want to get too competitive, but I am a competitor. Like you know, and I say anybody that's coached against me with my kids, like you know, you'll you'll see it because I don't like to lose. Um, and you know, I, I enjoy most of like helping. Now, like, helping kids reach their potential, help helping people reach their potential is ultimately awesome because you, like, we all, you, as a as a coach, like, you see something in somebody, and your job is, like, to try to, is to bring it out, right? Like, and there's nothing better than working with, with young kids, seeing the potential that they don't even know is there, and then trying to bring it, working to bring it out of them. And I, I miss that in terms of myself, Working to bring the best out of me in a competitive sense with the sport.
2: That's that's good, Marlon. Now we're probably going to wrap it up soon, but I do have one more question for you. You know, you say you say you like to help people out and and uh, help them progress and improve and get better. Now, if you had an opportunity to talk to the two defensive backs the Colts drafted this year, Nick Cross and and uh, Rodney Thomas II, what advice would you give those two young guys coming in to the Colts? To start their NFL careers, especially going to training camp and trying to make a football team.
1: Man, that's that's a, that's a good question, and I, I feel like I would have to like you know divide it up and maybe to a few categories in terms of uh, you know off the field um, in your relationships and who you have around you, um, giving them some advice there. Professionally, as a as a business, you know. Um, Talking about assets and liabilities, your body is, is an asset, and how do you go about taking care of that? And, and, and then I would go, you know, on the field, um, in terms of, you know, more, most importantly, the mental, the mental aspect of becoming a student of the, of the game, um, and, and understanding the things that I've mentioned during this interview down in distance, understanding situational football. Right. You know, and not just being out there relying on your physical capabilities, but marrying your physical capabilities with your mental capacity, you know. And for me, those are three key areas, you know, of a of a NFL, of a professional uh, athlete's life. It, it's those off the field relationships is now you as this brand, as this entity, as almost an independent contractor, and and, and then it's it's you on the field preparing yourself. Those are the three categories, that I mentioned the other two first because if they get stability there, it makes it a lot easier to take care of things on the field.
0: All right, last one from me, Marlon. Again, you've been so gracious with your time, and it's been awesome to catch up with you a little bit. Again, when you were here every year with the Colts, you guys – made the playoffs every year, uh, four out of the five years. You won the division. You won at least 12 games every year that you were a Colt. Um, the Colts are trying to get back to that, right, trying to win a division for the first time since 2014, uh, win double-digit games, get back to the playoffs. What do you think of the current Colts? What do you think of their makeup, and just what do you think of their prospects now uh, with Matt Ryan at quarterback heading into 2022 as a Colts fan still living in Indianapolis?
1: Yeah. Um. I, I like it. I mean, I would say first and foremost, I, I like the leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coach Wright, Chris Ballard. I feel like we have, in terms of the GM, head coach, we we, we hit the jackpot. We have the right people in place. Um, and, you know, I think everybody understands that the missing piece you know, has been that that quarterback position and not being able to get exactly what we need there over over the last couple of years. Um, With how things were unfolding throughout the offseason, you know, with, you know, having Carson Wentz in place, then, you know, making that trade, then um, the options looking slim that were in the market, but then to come away with a veteran like Matt Ryan. Yeah. Um, and how he complements what you already have offensively and defensively, I, I, I really like it. And, and then I just, you know, I trust Ballard and his ability to recognize and pick talent. So I got like Alec Pierce, like, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do because I, you know, um, there's a, uh, it was a deep wide receiver draft. So just understanding that, you know, a guy of his caliber was able to fall to the Colts, but really kind of an unknown guy because I didn't know about him. But because I trust Ballard, I know that there's something there. And when I look at some of the highlights and I see 6'3", 4'3", 4'4", 40 speed, mm-hmm. I know that the athleticism is there. Um, and then you pair him with a guy like Michael Pittman, and then when what I hear about the possibility of Naeem Hines more than a slot a little bit more, I really, I really like that. And then you go out, you know, when you get Lock, get Gilmore, you know, that was one of the things that I, I feel like you needed a top-notch, you know, cornerback. <clears throat> and to, to be able to get a guy like that to come here and pair with a linebackers, what we've done over the last, last – what we did last year in the draft with the defensive end position and the interior defensive line, you know, mixing that with the acquisition of – so I, can, I can't say his name. Is a young – Yannick,
0: yeah, unique Ngakwe. Yeah,
1: unique Ngakwe. You know, adding him to the mix. So, like, you know, having some young talent at safety, right. adding to that, to that talent. You know, it's it, it seemed like a complete complete roster to me. You know, um, and <clears throat> you know, it's now the execution, most importantly, from the quarterback position, and understanding the strength of this offense. And playing to that strength, but being able to complement it with a play-action passing game, which is one of the things that Matt Ryan does extremely well. Yeah. So I say all that to say that we're in a great, great position. And I, I, I chuckle so often, like as a fan now and observing fans and how panicky fans can get <laughs> and how, I guess, like how quick to judgment. Like you know, <laughs> we, we, we fans lose patience so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like you know. And even sometimes I see like people calling for for Reichs, you know, to be fired or Ballard. Just like, no, come on, like just take a step back, take a deep breath, calm down. Like, you know, the ship is going the right way. Like it hasn't gotten to the destination quite yet, but you can see clearly where the ship is going. Yeah. And, and Matt Ryan is a good placeholder, but there will need to be something done long term when it comes to that quarterback position. Yeah, in a good spot right now.
0: It's the NFL, as you know, it stands for not for long. It's it's what have you done for me lately? It's a week to week thing, and you know you're on one high uh, one week, and then you're in a valley the next week, depending on how the game goes on Sunday. But uh, you you live that, so you understand that full well. That's Marlon Jackson, man. It's it is awesome to talk to you and have you back on the airwaves, so to speak, here and be a guest on the uh, this Colts reunion podcast. Marlon, thanks so much for the time. Have a great summer coming up. Continued success with all that you do, both professionally and personally.
1: Uh, Thanks, fellas. I appreciate the time.